This is I Don't Care If You Listen podcast with my mom, Shawnee, and my auntie, Leonica. Welcome to episode six. I hope you enjoy it and have fun. Hey, girl. Hey, hon. How are you? Pretty good. Good. Been a busy day. Yeah. Your what's low? Blood sugar. Oh, fun. Yeah, I know, right? So what do you have to do? Eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Did you eat, drink, and be merry? Well, I'm drinking now, and I'll be... Well, I'm about to eat me a piece of candy to make it go up real quick. Okay, I'm sitting here trying to get audio lined up. You got anything on white privilege? Eh. Where do we start? Girl, I gave a presentation on implicit biases today. And one of the ladies that I presented with came up with an activity about um, unpacking the invisible net sack from um, Peggy McIntosh's book, White Privilege. Okay. Girl, there's a list of like 50 things here of examples of white privilege. And, you know, I knew they had it good, but damn, they got it real good. <laughs> Holy shit. Girl, things that I didn't even think about as an inconvenience for me because it's my norm. Okay, like examples. I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm really not surprised. I'm actually surprised you're surprised, but maybe seeing it in writing and seeing it in black and white is probably like a whole different thing, but sock it to me. Sock it to me. You know, I, I know there are different ways that they benefit from privilege, but to see so many of them, like, I can, if I wish, arrange to be in the company of people of my own race most of the time. I can be pretty sure that my neighbors in such a location will be neutral or pleasant to me. I can turn on the television or open the front page of the paper and see people of my race widely represented. Whether I use checks, credit cards, or cash, I can count on my skin color not to work against the appearance of financial reliability. Girl, that one really hits me because I've been at the grocery store several times and swiped my card and the cashier just automatically puts EBT. So my shit gets rejected. And I'm like freaking out trying to figure out what's going on. And it's because she just assumed that I was on welfare. Mm. 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 So, you know. Keep going. I want to hear. Keep going. Okay. I can talk with my mouth full and not have people put this down to my color. Mm. 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 I can speak in public to a powerful male group without putting my race on trial. Mm. Mm, mm. We could talk about gender too with that one. Well, I don't, I, you know what? I mean, I, I, keep going. If a traffic cop pulls me over or if the IRS audits my tax return, I can be sure I haven't been singled out because of my race. I can be pretty sure that an argument with my colleague of another race is more likely to jeopardize his or her chances for advancement than to jeopardize mine. 
I can be pretty sure that if I argue for a promotion of a person of another race or a program centering on race, this is not likely to cost me heavily within my present setting, even if my colleagues disagree with me. I can worry about racism without being seen as self-interested and self-seeking. That's a big one for me. Yeah, totally. If my day, week, or year is going badly, I do not ask of each negative episode or situation whether it had racial overtones. Yep, you never have to think about that. I can be sure that if I need legal or medical help, my race will not work against me. If I have low credibility as a leader, I can be sure that my race is not the problem. Mm. I know. Can you imagine that? I can't even begin to imagine. I am coming from the standpoint of professionally having to deal with the woman card and the minority card and in my in my in my professional career I don't know any different of not having that filter on everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's like and I know you don't know what that's like. So, welcome to another episode of I don't care if you listen. This is our podcast. You just heard Leonica speaking about white privilege and this was an excerpt from which book did you say, Lee? This is from White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack by Peggy McIntosh. Definitely something you might want to consider picking up if if you're not understanding why all this conversation is starting to happen about white privilege. Maybe you don't understand what white privilege means. Maybe you think, oh, well, they just don't like me because I'm white. No, there's bigger issues. It's bigger issues. I love white people. There's lots of white people that I love. I'm married to one. Um, Mm -hmm. But... If you don't recognize and understand sometimes that there is definitely tangible, hardcore privilege, then you're in denial. And that stinks. I can choose blemish cover or bandages in flesh color and have them more or less match my skin. (laughs) Band-aids. I never thought about it. It's so true. Band-aids are totally for white people. liquid band-aid different color emojis can we have different color band-aids together before emojis nobody jumped on that train oh that's funny i know and this book has been out for like 30 years (laughs) wow wow really 30 years yeah um 1988 Wow. This is um, exerted from an essay she had from a pa- her paper that she turned into a book. Well, I promised that this week we would be much more concise about our direction about things. But when you started opening up with that, there was a few things that I wanted to talk about. One was the Serena Williams quote-unquote meltdown that she had. <laughs> right. Um, and what it's like to be a strong 
relatively large size, I'm speaking for myself, um, uh, outspoken, vocal human being. And I'm feeling her on that. That's I feel you, Serena. So I'd love to get to that. Um, but with you coming in with this particular topic. Yeah, Serena, for real, I wanted to talk about her this week, too. She's been getting hit hard. I mean, first the bodysuit, and then this mess, that cartoon. I mean, who would do that? Like, And they don't see anything wrong with it. They publish it, and they don't see anything wrong with publishing that cartoon. I, well, and, and I'm sure there's an editor and <laughs> all kinds of people who saw this and still thought it was okay to publish it. You know, it's not on somebody's private website. This is what I got to thinking about when I was thinking when I first saw the Serena stuff. I haven't watched the video of her going off. I'm not interested in that. I don't know enough about tennis to know right or wrong. I w we can listen to it if you want. I just think that a woman is her a, a professional in her own right, in her own field. That's how she chose to, you know, address her situation. And I think even one of the other um, tennis greats, Billie Jean King, she mm -hmm. even came to Serena's defense and, you know, made that comment about why outspoken women are are called, you know, X amount of names when they are just being themselves. Mm -hmm. I have always dealt with that. I feel like I've always personally struggled with that. I've always been, I didn't fit the box I was supposed to fit ever. The most romantic thing, sorry, honey, but the most, one, probably, my, my husband's very romantic, probably one of the most romantic things that a man has said to me or done when I was in his presence was I was around a group of at least 15 men, big, big men. And I was with this particular guy and a conversation about race relations and socioeconomic um, dilemmas and, you know, that type of conversation was happening. And I was getting talked over pretty severely. And can you imagine, like, it would take a lot to talk over me. But, oh, yeah, I know. Right? But the dude, he was like, hey, y'all, stop. Listen to her. She's got, she knows what she's talking about. Listen to what she's saying. Girl, in that moment, I was like, yes. Now, granted, I did not end up marrying this man, and he was did not end up being the love of my life. No, but it was that moment when he said that, when I was like, Wow. To have somebody tell, I think that's why I went into radio because people paid me to talk when I had been, mm -hmm. told to, been told to shut up so many times. Tell me about it. Right? Girl, and then to express yourself with passion. Ooh, forget it. You're getting mad. You're getting outrageous. Because, oh, yeah, because the rest of the world just wants you to be calm and what they call dignified. Your version of dignified and your definition of dignified and your definition of calm is different than mine in communication period that was funny at this um discussion that we that i had today that i got this whole that was today the thing that you posted yeah i really want i have that listed here oh leonica's thing well this guy said that he was working with somebody and he had been working with them for a couple of months and he asked them for some feedback about their work and what it was like working with them. And the guy told him that he was rude. And he said, it really tripped me out. But I asked him, what did he mean? He said, well, you always interrupt people and you speak too loud. And this happened to be a white guy. And he said, 
I never really got it until they had a wedding or something in their family and everybody was together talking over each other yeah. at the same time because that's their norm. And yeah. so yeah. he took that into the workplace, which I probably do too. And that made me realize I probably do that. I know but, I do that because I'm having a conversation with someone. So I stop them in their tracks to talk because I feel like we are discussing, but people like to talk and finish their paragraph and then have you talk apparently. Yeah, like you can't react instantly. Right. And I don't think they can process. I, I think it's a processing thing, maybe. Maybe. I even find it with my own family. I find it even with my own family. Oh, yeah, that's what, I mean, really. And, and it's funny, one of my coworkers gets upset because me and another black coworker told her, that, you know, we probably wouldn't be our normal selves if you came and visit our house. We would probably change our behaviors. Our family members would change our behaviors because we wouldn't want you to feel comfortable. And we don't think you would feel comfortable in our chaos. You told her that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean we got to speak openly and honestly with each other if we're going to figure each other out. Right, right, right. But, yeah, yes, I have to change the way I act when I come into the workplace. Right. And if you think I'm aggressive here, you should see me at home. Oh my God. Like it, it, if I was real, you really couldn't handle it. And that's the scariest part of all of this is. So for this kid's music class that I've been singing, that I've been doing, there's this song about butterflies. Okay. And I know this is really cheesy, but it, this, the lyrics go, once there was a butterfly sleeping in her shell, happy to be in a place where everything went well. Um, no one to bother her, no other worms to see. Wrapped up in her own cocoon, she thought that she was free. Hey, little worm, don't you see? Only the butterflies are free. Because we get so... I am genuinely... Do you know what else? Oh, my God, Lee. This may not be... <laughs> this is why we go off topic. But listen to this. I was told recently that my voice... I'm doing voice training. By a 30-year opera veteran that I missed my calling, that I should have been in the opera. I had the chops to do it, that I got missed Aww. and I got passed up. Like that breaks my heart and excites me, but breaks my heart a lot, right? But it's that feeling of, I feel like I've been told to shell up so much for being an outspoken, loud woman mm -hmm. that I have let opportunities go because I didn't let my loud ass self shine. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so when I see somebody like Serena get called melting down, it's like homegirl is a professional in her sport, in her field. She is One not going to get that passionate. If not the greatest. If not the greatest. She is going to get passionate if she knows her facts and she let her get that way and don't call her this, that, and that. She is an outspoken, loud woman who knows her shit. Let her be that. Why do we have to be in these case in these cocoons and these shells of like you are not allowed to be loud and out i don't have a volume my volume is loud that's shalini that's who i am sorry if you don't like it or if you think it's bad why <laughs> why is it bad why can't i be me and this is the i don't care if you listen podcast and this is exactly why we don't care because a lot of people may not understand what we're talking about this is our reality we're in this box, and this podcast is all about us kind of opening up that box and letting
letting it all go. So I feel you, Shell. Get it out. It's true, yeah. though. I mean, it's right. I mean, you know it. I know you know it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My, I mean, my coworkers even tell me that I go on trips with my coworkers to meetings. The conversation's going, somebody in my family will give me a call. And I start talking to them. And when I join the conversation, they'll be like, um, dang, you talk different. Right? Well, well, that's not what they say. Right. How do they put it? <laughs> well, it's so funny to listen to you talk to your family because right. it's totally different than what you are when you're with us. And they notice it with other black people that work with us, too. And so it was just the kind of thing that and it brought a conversation. Luckily, I work in an environment where it's okay to have these conversations and they're starting to get a little bit uncomfortable with being comfortable having <laughs> those conversations. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a slow and frustrating process, but I'm really happy to say that at least there's one place that I feel is trying to, you know, push the pendulum. So. But maybe we're part of that lesson. So bringing this full circle, the reason I really wanted to talk about your event you did today, I really don't want to be doom and gloom. I don't want to look at the current administration and feel hopeless. I don't want to look at the world and feel hopeless. I want to feel like there's hope. There's so many good things happening. You know, you looked at all the female and minority candidates that are coming up, you know, and like, it's a strong, powerful thing. It is a good thing. I want to be pro people. I want to like people. I want to fix this problem. And what you did, if you could tell everybody about the event you did, Stuff like that, opening up those conversations and having those events are exactly what I want to do. But I feel like maybe my job, I said to Chris, I said, I want to use this podcast to do something. I want to fix something. And we need to fix. I need to fix. So he was like, you know, why don't you do what you've always done? And you've just kind of highlighted the ways that people are helping people, stories about helping people, stories about doing good things. He's like, you've always wanted to talk to those people and expose those people. So do everything you can to expose mm -hmm. those people. And that's why I thought, like, I really wanted to talk about that thing you did because, I mean, I don't have the flyer in front of me, but I really saw, like, come one, come all, law enforcement, everybody, let's have a conversation about our, our children's welfare. Let's have those conversations in every, I mean, there's so many people doing great things. If you're having those conversations, we want to know about it. We want to tell people about these conversations. I don't want to be in a box anymore. You I'm, gotta get out of there. I'm done. I'm 40 years old. I'm ripe cheese. You don't want to see, you know, like I'm ready. You, It's time. Taste it. <laughs> Say cheese. Say cheese. Oh, <laughs> That's me and my hubby, and I don't care if you're listening. We're eating chocolate over here. <laughs> and why not? So, yeah, the event that I was a part of today was called A Community Conversation. Okay. And it is a follow-up to a training that an organization called Community and Family Partnerships had to educate the workforce about the disproportionality in child welfare here in Kent County. When you say disproportionality, like you're talking about the... Well, let me break it down very well. In Kent County, African-American kids make up 11% of the total population of kids, of people under 18. They're only 11%. But those same kids are 30% of the kids placed in foster care. We know that black families are three times more likely in our county to get substantiated 
for abuse or neglect and for kids to get removed. They're getting more referrals to CPS. Um, they're getting more open cases. They, if kids are getting removed, they're in foster care for longer periods of time. They're moving from foster home to foster home more often. And they're taken completely out of their neighborhoods in some cases. Because there's people who are going to say, oh, well, those kids are probably in really bad situations. They got to go. Those are really bad situations. But that's what you're analyzing, right? That's what you're looking at, right? It's exactly. And... Also, I, I do want to say that it's really 34% of the African-American kids, but in the last month or so, we've gotten 100 immigrant kids in our county. Yeah, from the border. Wow. Yeah, there's an um, agency here that I don't work with for that um, <laughs> placed them in foster care. So, yeah, that was a big thing, too. Wait, 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 wait. They were taken from their parents at the border, and now they're going into foster the foster system up here? Do they, they know where their parents are? Um, I don't know, because I don't know what group of kids they got. Like I said, it's not an agency that I work for, but it is an agency that's very similar to mine. Unbelievable. And, yeah, 100. We got 100 here in just in my county. I'm sure there's some in other counties and agencies across the state in Michigan, too. I, I think I even heard um, Sean King talking about it. Yeah, so that's why the percentage of African-American kids kind of went down, because our Hispanic kids went up. And then we won't even talk about the multiracial kids. You know, they're so, also disproportionately represented as well. Tell, can you tell me, one meetings like this are they helpful and two what pushback are you getting for what you need to fix this what is it that you need to fix it um you know what i think the pushback is is the bureaucracy and tradition and again white privilege i think people don't want to or don't even know how to get involved to rectify the damage that the system does and like I don't even know where to start so the conversation that you had today did it feel like it got somewhere does it is it does that converse those do those conversations help are you getting anywhere well yeah it was nice because we had people from CPS we had foster care workers we had um, parent support partners which is um, a lady who had actually had her child in foster care and she got her child back and she's doing very well and got off central registry, went to school, and now she's helping parents who are in that same position. So she had a, a great viewpoint. Um, in the audience, we had people from um, the Grand Rapids African American Institute of Health, Health Institute, sorry, Rahai. Um, we had people representing Baxter Community Center. So they do all kinds of different activities for the community, child care, um, job training, they have a gym, and people representing a lot of the neighborhood associations too. I, I don't think anybody takes into consideration how long and systemic certain issues have been. Since the beginning of, since the Declaration of Independence. Even before, yeah. I mean, even before. It really, when you don't, 
when you don't take into consideration, I was stuck in traffic the other day and I was looking at all these poor souls who sit in traffic every day thinking, you know, every single one of these people has got their own problems. They got their own stuff. It's so deep rooted. It feels like turning the Titanic. I need a magic wand with some fairy dust. Well, I do like the thought that you had about having more females in leadership in political positions to make policy because a lot of this is policy issue. But what, that's um, the thing. We need to, as women, we need to su not just support each other, be crazy about it. Be crazy about it. Like, I... Yeah, yeah. I need to be more crazy about it. We, I, I need to get, you know... Women women would be definitely would think twice when we are given that chance at that utmost position. Women will think 10 times longer about sending their child or some other, somebody else's child to war before a man will. Oh, yeah. So we're having a whole, like, surge of female candidates happening right now. It's a beautiful thing. It is. And that's why I really decided we have to come out of, I have to come out of this funk of feeling like what is going to happen all of this sucks this is awful because there's going to be life after this and I've got a world to prepare for my kid you know mm -hmm. like I've got to like prepare him for the world and I've got to do my best to make it a good world for him so actively actively not just talk about it right I mean I can just talk about it but I'd like to talk about it in a productive way where I can get people on here that will talk and get people, promote the show to get people to listen to the message. And really the message is, whatever you're doing to make the world a better place, let's talk about it and let's all do it. That's right. Let's all do it. We want to hear it. Yeah, flat out. We don't care if you listen. No. But we want to hear it if nobody else does. Right. If you feel like we do and you want to talk about your thing. Yeah. Whatever your huh? thing is. Yeah. Whatever your thing is, right? I dig it. I love it. I think that I, I wrote that. How can I make the world? I put Lee's event. I wanted to talk about Lee's event. And then I put, how can I make the world a better? How can I make the world better? Lee's meeting with community members, identify organizations doing the hard work. For right now, my message is very vague. Vote, 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 as much as you can. Happy news first. The primary elections, uh, the unprecedented number of women running for governor in 2018. Uh, six women governors in the U.S., 12 women are nominees for governor in 2018. Twelve. That's pretty sweet. I mean, I love it. I mean, let's do All it. All right. Female power. Yeah. Ayanna Presley uh, making history. I just think that's awesome. But, yes, yeah, so Mr. Amanaman Anonymous, 45, he took $10 million from FEMA to give to ICE. There's a hurricane brewing. You didn't hear what he said. He said it's going to be really wet. He said it's going to be extraordinarily wet or something about wetness. <laughs> Probably really, really, really wet because that's all he says. It's really, really, really. It's going to be bigger than anything we've ever experienced. That's all he says. I can't listen to him. I can't either. It's like a toddler. Did you hear how he said anonymous? He couldn't even. a whole lot of fun. I mean, bigger, bigger than anything we've ever thought about. How is that creating any kind of security for our homeland? But you know what? It's all about making money. As Hurricane Florence barrels towards East Coast, threatening to make landfall as the biggest hurricane in North Florida recorded history, no, Trump administration facing accusations they took money 
out of the FEMA budget to pay for its immigration crackdown. Merkley released documents earlier this week in which Department of Homeland Security notifies Congress that it's transferring $200 million for the budgets of various agencies, including nearly $10 million from FEMA to ICE, to pay for immigrant detention and deportation through the end of this fiscal year on September 30th. Wow. There's a hurricane coming, Hurricane Florence. Kind of. Yeah. Would have thought he would have. Um, wow. Yeah, so. I'm speechless. So, Jim Carrey was on my favorite show, Real Time with Bill Maher. I saw him in his Nikes. And you know what? He got me because I'm having that type of moment in time in my life where I want to make good. And he, like, he totally took the words out of my mouth. It's like, I do. Okay. I thought I didn't want to be friends with everybody. Like, I opened up our podcast with saying I don't want to talk to other people. But I do. I totally want to talk to people. I love talking to people. And I think people are genuinely good at heart. I feel like Anne Frank said it. People are genuinely good at heart. But people are twisted in their brains, and sometimes I can't handle it. And this Trump thing has made me not be able to handle things, so I'm trying to get better about it. But Jim Carrey took the words out of my mouth, like, I want to be friends with you. I could talk to all of you. But listen to what he says. Like, I won't take this punchline away because he's Jim Carrey. You're <laughs> not allowed to do that. <laughs> I think about what's going on right now. There's an, there, are, there are generations growing up right now who are learning to lie. The lying is okay. That, yeah. That this... Uh, Kids say know, fake news. That you're supposed to hate half the country. You right. Know? And if, if, if anything, if anything, we've got to get back to a place where we realize that a vote is not who you are. You know, and and because you voted Republican, you're not stupid. You're not different. You're not worthless. You know, I could break bread with anybody who voted for Trump. We could find some common ground to love each other. Through, you know? Just stop doing stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we expect. All right. So I mean, that's it, it right? Together. So let's plug your show. We really need to. Because we got a long history in this country. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been watching the Nasser hearings and all that crap at MSU? No. What's going on? That I didn't man know still happening. raped like so many women, hundreds of women and girls under the guise of being their doctor. It's just so sickening at the way you it's talk about so cover ups. All these lawsuits are coming up identifying all these people who knew. Wait, so people from MSU who knew, right? Since 1992. Oh, come on. Yeah, a lady filed a lawsuit this week saying that she told her coach. Her coach went to the athletic director. The athletic director strong-armed her coach into signing a non-disclosure agreement and resigning. She went to the police. Mm. The police told her that the director of athletics was a very powerful man and she should just drop it and did not investigate her case at all. What? Yeah, she just filed a lawsuit this week. I didn't know Talk that. about scandal and cover-up in our educational so institutions. Really, yeah. is it that deep? I really didn't even know that was still going on. I thought that was done with. I haven't been paying attention. Well, now there are lawsuits against Michigan State being filed. Well, yeah. If they're covering so, up, I don't care what kind of coach you are, what your 
what your kind of championship team you do or don't have, you you don't get. That's not you, there's no license there. I think this man is has been on their board of directors since 2002. He was covering stuff up in 1992. So what else has he covered up as a board member? Mm. And then if he knew as a board member, what else did the other board members know? You know what I mean? You just can't. See, Lee, in life, I've learned that when it comes to money, I don't put anything past anyone for anything. Like, when it comes to money, people will do and say or anything. I, I know it. Like, if you think that it is impossible for somebody to do X, Y, or Z for money, guess what? There's somebody out there who'll do it. And, you know, people are always talk, t- talking about teach your kids stranger danger. Stranger danger. No, it's people you know. Mm. People your kids regularly come in contact to that you have to teach your kids to be aware of and to come and discuss anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. Right. Because that's just jacked up. And can you imagine all the trauma and... <sighs> just pain those girls are going through with people saying you lied Mm, this mm, didn't happen mm, just forget mm. about it move on with your life the parents the parents who are like we trust him we trust him for you we trust him as your coach we trust him as your doctor hurricane florence what's she doing now she's gonna come into town and do her thing not into my town hopefully she stays far away from here but she is um, headed towards South Carolina. Yeah, I got a lot of family down there. What mm-hmm. are they doing? They told everybody to leave. Category three hurricane to blast uh, for over 24 hours. It'll put millions of people at risk and threaten billions of dollars in property damage centered on the Carolinas beginning Thursday, continuing through the weekend. Get out of Get there. Get somewhere safe. Right. Yeah. Get out of there. <laughs> I definitely think when you don't evacuate and you cause first responders to have to come get you you're putting double the lives in danger so you might as well just evacuate if they've told you to evacuate true you know go don't hunker down go get i'm really excited about the meeting you had today did we wrap that up with you saying that that was a good thing you guys have next steps and you're doing good things with it we're going to continue to meet and some of us will get together and do things like a natural hair and product drive and we're sharing data and looking at data, and we'll get some things, probably get a compassionate group together for minorities in the field. I really think that if you make, like, if if you make, I'm just thinking out loud, but I think the more you can engage local businesses with people mm-hmm. and somehow get those businesses to either do on-the-job training or something that gives... Even there's, you know, this love and logic uh, thing that happens down here where they, like, teach people how to communicate with kids, you know, like, have those conversations without getting angry, upset, you know, whatever. I teach love and logic, sure. Do you teach love and logic? Do you really? we, We give crash courses to our clients. Been doing it since... I started. Well, can you give me a crash course? Because the one down here meets on Wednesdays and Chris works on Wednesdays. I would give you the cliff notes. You know how we do. <laughs> well, can we do a cliff notes episode of Love and Logic? Are we allowed? Yeah. Is there yeah, like some yeah. kind of copyrighted ish? No, we've got licenses for the handouts that we have. The latest news five hours ago, Senator King says he'll vote no on Brett Kavanaugh for Supreme Court. 
Baseball tickets, gambling debts, Democrats dig for answers from Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Democrats demanding written answers from Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh to more than 1,000 questions following a four-day confirmation hearing last week that elicited more heat than light. The queries go beyond the law to policy, politics, and Kavanaugh's personal life, including his finances and potential benefactors. Hi. Can you fix, can you fix the show? What's wrong with your show? Do you want to say hi? Hi. Hey, sweetie, how are you? Good. What are you watching? Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, and I'm watching before the end. Ewok joined the fight. Part. Okay. It was at Jabba's palace. And what happened? Did the re- did you touch the remote? Um, I think I did. And is that what happened? I was happened? trying to instruct my own lightsaber. Let me go fix your TV. Mm-hmm. Auntie Leonica and I are almost done. See you later. Can you say see you later? I'll see you later. All right, Jay, I'm almost done. Finish watching this. All right, what were we talking about? Sorry about that. Confirmation hearings. Several senators sought details on the federal appeals court judge's debt-fueled purchase of baseball tickets, asked if he's been a gambler. The avalanche of questions follow more than 20 hours of testimony last week and some 17,000 pages of personal backup material submitted to the Senate Judiciary Committee. It represents the escalation of the battle over documents that began after President Trump nominated Kavanaugh to replace retired Associate Justice Anthony Kennedy in July. So, that's the world we live in. Kavanaugh refused to answer most questions about his personal opinions and views on Supreme Court cases in his confirmation hearing. All ten Democrats on the committee sent follow-up questions this week. Grassley claimed the total came to more than was asked of all previous nominees. Wow. They asked more questions of him than they asked of all the previous nominees. Popular topics included Trump's potential legal woes, abortion, guns, health care, and Kavanaugh's years working in the White House and for independent prosecutor Ken Starr. Same guy, Clinton impeachment thing over the... They were trying to kick Clinton out over a job and you got this guy paying off hookers. Sorry, that just right. sounded like trashy trash that shouldn't be coming out of the White House, but that's some trashy trashness. Mm, they do whatever they want. Um, speaking of amazing presidents, yes. Did you see um, President Obama back out on uh, the speaking scene? Yeah, I read a little bit about it. Seen the headlines. Didn't listen to it though. I hope he has the power to galvanize some strong shifts in government. Well, I think if he wanted to, he could be more powerful than in office. He's such a... has so many different strengths. Yeah, but he's out of there. I was mad at that Bob Woodward thing, by the way. I tried watching his interview on Rachel Maddow. You know, he wrote, he released that book. He did an interview. And what he was had, this book about? It's called Fear. And it's like an inside in- interview with Donald Trump, and you know, just he's yes, just basically I turn got a channel when that bullshit comes well, on. Well, girl, he just <laughs> so it's called fear, and he says that his whole pitch. He's on this whole speaking tour to sell his book, and his whole pitch on every show he's on is 
We're in dire straits. This is extremely scary stuff. This is the most scary thing ever. This is going to be crazy. Be, you know, you know, like, tries to throw all that out there, but then it's like, but buy my book to find out. <clears throat> like, dude, if you really cared about the country and you were really blowing up, like, you don't have a book to sell. You better get the message out and tell people then what's going on. Him and Amarosa, man. They can do it. Opportunistic. Yes. They might as well do it together. Shoot. It's like they're splitting the vote. I know, right? <laughs> I'm not going to buy both of your books. <laughs> I'm not buying either. Did you um find that Obama video? Where was I he did. speaking at? Where was he speaking at? They were in Illinois. None of this is conservative. Mr. Obama told an auditorium of students at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to pretend I'm channeling Abraham Lincoln now, but that's not what he had in mind, I think, when he helped form the Republican Party. It's not conservative. It sure isn't normal. It's radical. It's a vision that says the protection of our power and those who back us is all that matters, even when it hurts the country. Mm. Hello, Illinois. I hello. I hello. I hello. Okay, okay. Just checking to see if you're awake. I love Please have a seat, everybody. It just brings hope. It is good to be it home. It really does. Closer to those ideals, somebody somewhere has pushed back. The status quo pushes back. Sometimes the backlash comes from people who are genuinely, if wrongly, fearful of change. More often, it's manufactured by the powerful and the privileged who want to keep us divided and keep us angry and keep us cynical because that helps them maintain the status quo and keep their power and keep their privilege. It's a vision that says the protection of our power and those who back us is all that matters even when it hurts the country. It's a vision that says the few who can afford high-priced lobbyists and unlimited campaign contributions set the agenda. Mm-hmm. And over the past two years, this vision is now nearing its logical conclusion. So that with Republicans in control of Congress and the White House, without any checks or balances whatsoever, they've provided another $1.5 trillion in tax cuts to people like me, who I promise don't need it. And don't even pretend to pay for it. It's supposed to be the party supposedly of fiscal conservatism. Suddenly deficits do not matter. Even though just two years ago, when the deficit was lower, they said, I couldn't afford to help working families or seniors on Medicare because the deficit was an existential crisis. What changed? What, what changed? 
They're subsidizing corporate polluters with taxpayer dollars. Mm. Allowing dishonest lenders to take advantage of veterans and students and consumers again. They've made it so that the only nation on earth to pull out of the global climate agreement. It's not North Korea, it's not Syria, it's not Russia or Saudi Arabia. It's us, the only country. There are a lot of countries in the world. We're the only ones actively blocking legislation that would defend our elections from Russian attack. What happened? The sabotaging of the Affordable Care Act has already cost more than 3 million Americans their health insurance. And if they're still in power next fall, you better believe they're coming at it again. They've said so. <laughs> in a healthy democracy, there's some checks and balances on this kind of behavior, this kind of inconsistency. But right now, there's nothing. Republicans who know better in Congress, and they're there, they're quoted saying, yeah, we know this is kind of crazy, are still bending over backwards to shield this behavior from scrutiny or accountability or consequence. Seem utterly unwilling to find the backbone to safeguard the institutions that make our democracy work. And by the way, the, the claim that everything will turn out okay because there are people inside the White House who secretly aren't following the president's orders, that is not a check. I'm being serious here. That's not how our democracy is supposed to work. No. Nope. These people aren't elected. They're not accountable. No. Nope. And you happen to be coming of age during one of those moments. It did not start with Donald Trump. He is a symptom, not the cause. I gotta leave it on that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go and listen to that. Yeah, it's an hour-long speech. He He's out there speaking, and I talk about fixing the world, so I guess all I can do is either make him president again and fix all this so we can all fix this, or... Just start telling people stories who are fixing it, and let's all fix it. I hope he comes out and endorses people who he thinks have the right things in mind for our country. Unity and not division. Yes, yes. So, sweetie, you go ahead and clip and cut and hook it up. Clip and cut and hook it up. Clip and cut and hook it up. Okay. All right. That's why I love you. I love you back. <laughs>